We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Aitlin is intercepted by Sam Mills. Steve Smith is going to go all the way. Panthers win in overtime. Newton steps up, goes for the end zone. Olsen! Touchdown by Moore. And in the foot race, McCaffrey to the end zone. He pounded on three. One, two, three. He pounded. Welcome back to another episode of The Roar, brought to you by Blue Air. I am your host, Billy Marshall, and I am joined, as always, by my co-host, Mr. John Ellis. John, what's up, man? How much, man? Football season's back, so let's get to it. Got a lot to talk about. Absolutely, and obviously, John, he couldn't watch the game live. He had some family business to attend to, but most of you who do follow <laughs> me know that I was watching the game live. I was clipping until the very end. Um, now we'll discuss everything that happened from players who impressed us to some of the coaching decisions and to just overall some of the operations that uh, we felt improved, did not improve, or just kind of stagnated. But uh, first things first, John, um, I think the biggest positive about this game, despite the scoreline, I don't even care about the scoreline, is that there were no major injuries. And I think you can, anytime you can walk away from a preseason game without any injuries, especially considering what happened with the Jets the other night. And I know it's not as serious as a one stop with Zach Wilson, but um, leaving a preseason game without injury, I think, is a success. Oh, absolutely, Billy. It's uh, knock on wood, of course, always with that. But, you know, during the course of training camp covering uh, things in Spartanburg for the past couple of weeks, we only saw a few. I mean, C.J. Saunders, that's one that comes to mind. They, they really want to rely on him in the slot. and He's out for some time now. But, no, it was a very successful game in the fact that they got through four quarters. Uh, they, they rotated some players. We'll talk much more about that. Uh, you go in on the road, you play a competitive team that's been playoff bound or whereabouts here the past couple of years. They're going to be physical. They know you well, and you get out without major injuries. It's a big plus, no doubt. Yeah, absolutely. And we'll start right into it. Baker Mayfield, he got the start ahead of Sam Darnold. He played one series, led the team down for a field goal. Um, and then Darnold came in, uh, I think it was first drive was three and out, and then he got a short field and he let him on. Or actually, I don't know. Actually, he, his first drive was actually the touchdown he threw, which was actually a nice throw, uh, credit to him. But 
Um, overall, yeah. I, I thought Mayfield was pretty uh, pretty good uh, trending up for sure. I, I'm not going to say he was 100% sharp because he wasn't. Um, obviously, there was a third down throw that I was just a little confused by. Um, and we've seen some of the uh, discourse around that deep post that he uh, attempted to Robbie Anderson, which I thought was a good throw, but some questions yeah. about the offensive design maybe um, that we can uh, explore as well. But overall, I thought it was a pretty solid debut for Mayfield, and I think that should solidify him as a QB1. I'm not sure why we continue to uh, go through this you know, charade of a quarterback competition. Uh, but first impressions on Baker Mayfield in the Panthers uniform. Yeah, I thought it was good, Billy. You know, that first series you're talking about, you know, and it goes hand in hand with some of the other personnel. So you got to look at the fact that DJ Moore is not out there. Um, you continue rotating, you know, your center and your left guard and your left tackle. And we saw on two of those third down conversions that Mayfield did pick up. Um, you had guys right in his face. And I thought it was encouraging to see Mayfield stand in the pocket, continue to go through his progressions, not get happy feet. I mean, the thing we've seen here with quarterbacks, whether it's PJ, whether it's especially Sam Darnold, uh, is a tendency to let the pressure affect you. And I thought it was nice to see Baker on those two third down conversions, stand tall, not try to move out of a pocket uh, prematurely. And he had every right to. There was one snap where he moved out of the pocket and actually picked up some positive yards on his legs. But, no, I, I thought early on it was good. There was a fumbled snap. Uh, Baker at the post game took credit for that, uh, you know, but still he's working with Elfline on a lot of these snaps at center, and then he's working with Bozeman at camp. So the, I, I still feel like, and we'll get to this discussion, I know the continuity issue needs to be solidified, not only at quarterback, but at the center position, as well as the entire left side of that offensive line. But, no, for what it was worth, Hitting Shy Smith on two third down conversions, uh, especially with Shy Smith being a guy now that you need somebody in that slot position to step up with Saunders down, I thought it was very encouraging. I liked what I saw for the most part from Mayfield. Yeah, absolutely. There was another receiver who kind of caught my attention. We'll get to him later. Derek Wright, the undrafted free agent. Uh, I thought he made some really. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he looked like a really reliable guy, and he has a you know a chance to make this roster. Um, but we'll get to him in a second. But yeah, I, I just want to follow up on what you just said. And I agree. Like, I think that this, th- this is why continuity is so big, especially with the quarterback you acquire in July, because if we start seeing these mistakes week one and week two, we're going to come back to what's been, I mean, whatever this competition that's been going on uh, quotation marks in early yeah. August, because valuable reps are being lost. And I, if you remember the third down play it was third and 14, it's obviously the, the um, it's a very low percentage opportunity. I, I get it. Okay. Yeah. Third and 14. It just seems like that play was a busted play from the start miscommunication between him and the receiver. And yes, that happens as preseason. It gives you an opportunity to fix it. But if that's week one against the Browns, it's I'm not sure that's going to be acceptable at that point because you just want to have everything in sync by then. And so my hope is that after this week, this entire like charade, as I I like to call it, is just, it's over. Yeah. It's frustrating, Billy. I mean, it, it, it's, I'm trying to see the purpose in it. Uh, I, I want them to, Obviously, during the early part of this preseason, if I'm a Panthers fan, I want them to get some some active reps for guys that they know they might need to lean on. So I understand Elfline being 
more than likely a backup type of role player now is, is in need of those. I understand, you know, the fact that Michael Jordan is your left guard. Okay, you see him as a utility guy, but they can't possibly see him at his size with the lack of dexterity on tape as a full-time starter at left guard. So that's highly frustrating because you put on the tape and you saw some plays. The, the big one, of course, comes to mind is the, the back shoulder that P.J. threw. Uh, in that second quarter, and there was a beautiful little stunt pickup between Christensen and Aquano. Now, I know there's some rough edges there, and there'll be some things that we don't like at a, you know, every snap, but I think that's the future. Those two guys with their youth, their athleticism, that's what you want to see in the lineup. And you just saw early on in that drive, you know, Elfline getting worked uh, early on, and then Jordan getting bull rushed right into Mayfield's lap. And the quarterback charade, too. You call it charade, and I would agree. The quarterback snaps in this game, Walker 34, Corral 21, Mayfield 12, Darnold 6. And I think that's telling. I mean, you get three of these shots in preseason, and you've got a quarterback. And any other year where you've got a solidified franchise quarterback, sit him on the bench. Do what the Rams do. I'm fine with it. You know, don't play him at all because you know he's got the system down. You know he's got the mechanics of the McAdoo scheme down. But Mayfield continues in, in a growing role here. You need him to be on the field as much as possible. I'm not saying three quarters, but hell, give him the 21 snaps. Give him the 34 snaps. Get him accustomed to the guys he's going to be around. Most importantly, a solidified front five that you know you can lean on. And I just don't know if what they're putting out there, I understand in camp, I understood it the first week or so. When it got into the second week, it's and I'm not the only one. You're starting to raise eyebrows like, okay, what are we doing here? Why are we rotating Bozeman out with Elfline? Clearly, Bozeman is the better center. Why is Michael Jordan all of a sudden your starting left guard? So it gets right back to the, the fact that you've got limited time to get Mayfield ready for week one. He is the cornerstone of your offense right now at the quarterback position. Don't waste any more time with this. And now you've got New England coming up. And as you know, Belichick, we'll talk more about joint practices and what goes into that. He doesn't make things easy for anybody in the preseason. You're talking about your know, five, six, seven-man rushes, a lot of stunts, a lot of uh, you know, delayed blitzes. It's not going to be easy, so it's going to be a real test. I just hope they get their five up front solidified and stop playing around so much. Yeah, and that's obviously a good transition. Let's discuss the offensive line. We're only going to stick, by the way, to uh, first and second teamers. We'll kind of mention some things that happened in the second half. I, I don't know. I'm not really too, um, you know, uptight about anything uh, right. in particular, but we'll get to some areas. Uh, but yeah, let's stick to the offensive line because again, the prevailing narrative was that I think Iquano's first snap at left tackle was um, the first Darnold's first drive and on Darnold's touchdown pass again, well-thrown ball. It, it, it was very weird because I had a bunch of people, I posted the clip of it a bunch of people just came rushing into my mentions about how that was a poor play by Iquanu. Like, why, what is he doing? Blah, blah, blah. Like, why didn't we draft Evan Neal? Why don't we do this? Why don't we do that? <laughs> okay, first of all, let me just say this. Brady Christensen did not have a perfect game as a left tackle, okay? Um, and, no. and I say this as someone who actually likes Brady Christensen. I think he's going to be a solid NFL um, offensive lineman, particularly at guard. But he did not play, like, perfect. He did let pr- give up some pressures to Montez Sweat. And that's going to happen. Montez Sweat has particularly long arms. He's very good at, you know, finding, you know, where to place his hands and driving you back. Um, but yeah, it's going to happen. It was his third or fourth, like 
NFL game snaps. So yeah, it, it, it's unfortunate that he gave up that pressure. I don't even think if you look at the design of the play, like I'm not sure what you want him to do in that situation because it's a play action. He, um, you know, he sets pretty quickly and he just gets kind of beat. I just think there was some protection uh, schematic issues that led to that pressure. But again, credit to yeah. Darnold. He made a good throw and it was a touchdown, but for the rest of the game, I thought Iquana was pretty good. Like, I don't know. Like I thought he was obviously solid in the run game. He did some good things in the past game. Like you mentioned that clip of him and Christensen working really well in concert together. Um, yeah. I mean, the right side, I really have nothing else to say. I think Corbett didn't have, um, you know, one of his best moments. He gave up a pressure to Jonathan Allen, who I think is like a top yeah. 10 defensive lineman, uh, but that's going to happen. Uh, Moten was solid as always. Uh, but yeah, John, I, I'm, I'm with you. And I know you're tweeting about it every day about the offensive line that you want to see. And I think I agree with that, but I just want to hear your perspective on the play of Iquano Christensen and the Bozeman uh, elf line competition. Well, I think the play you're talking about to Richard Higgins, you know, it's a long developing sort of cross play action there where you've got 16 Zilster running across the formation with some play action concepts involved. And so I'm not excusing Aquano. Yeah, he got beat to a degree, but it's a fast developing play after the slow developing sort of play action, you know, mess you've got in the front five, six, seven there. The ball's going to come out quick. So I'm not killing him for that. Now, if this is a straight drop or if it's shotgun set and he's just getting woofed around the edge, sure, give him a minus grade on that. I'm not even giving him a plus grade on this, but I'm certainly not freaking out. And looking at it and saying, oh, my God, Aquanu is just absolute totes. If you look at the right side of that line, too, wasn't great. So the guys were getting mauled. So credit to Darnold for getting the ball out. A nice extension by Higgins there. That, I mean, Hollywood has looked good, by the way. I'm, I'm really happy with his development in this offense, and I'm happy to see him catching a ball from Sam because there's been this narrative, and I've pushed it to a certain degree, that it's just Hollywood Baker, Hollywood Baker, because they had 10 touchdowns together. In Cleveland, I think it's a worthwhile stat, but you know, no, I, I'm not looking at this. The guy, guy in wide nine technique, getting some good bend there, and and Aquanu. That was Montez Sweat again, good, one of the best edge rushers Sweat. in the league. Yeah, he gets an early good hand on him, and and if he doesn't, you know, if it's just a total, I've seen. Let me put it this way: I've seen worst at left tackle here over the last few years. I've seen total turnstile moments where a left tackle can't even get their hands on him. So I, I'll give him a bit of a pass on this, and I just thought the other stuff. Christensen, to me, looks comfortable left guard. He looks comfortable there. He's got the athleticism. He's six foot six. He's got enough reach with those arms to be a guard at a high level. Uh, and the, the, the other thing I'll say, with him and Aquano left side, I've got a higher degree of confidence that that can work than Christensen left tackle, Jordan left guard, and Aquano riding the bench the entire year. Uh, I'll further that point with one more. We talked after the draft, and, and, you know, Ellis Williams, who does a great job from the Charlotte Observer, was on my show on iHeartRadio, and, and Billy, you know Ellis very well. He made the point, as well as I have, and I think you probably made this point as well, that, you know, Aquanu could be a fairly dominant left guard if need be early on. Now, you'd like to see your top 10 pick be a dominant left tackle, but he's had no reps, Billy, at camp at guard, none that I could see. And I think that's a tactical mistake. I think you should try him there. And if Christensen is somebody you want to move into the left tackle spot, then you've got a pretty good one-two bunch. But I still think their best five 
I, I say it every day. It's a Quanu, Christensen, Bozeman, Elfline, uh, not Elfline, sorry, uh, Corbett, who did not have a great game, but it's game one. And then Taylor Moten, who's always very good. And I, I think that's the way forward, Billy. I couldn't agree more with you. And I, I just think like, Whatever you want to try at center, if you don't feel like Bozeman is up to the task, when you keep Elfline, fine. I'm fine with that, okay? I, I totally am. I, I, I prefer Bozeman because of what I saw on tape the past few years in Baltimore, and I think he's a good player. I liked him coming out of yeah. Alabama as a draft prospect too. Uh, so I, I think he makes a lot of sense. But if you just feel more comfortable with Elfline, fine. Go for it. M- my biggest issue is I don't want to – Michael Jordan should not be playing with the starters, in my opinion. No, no, it's ridiculous. I just, it's I don't ridiculous. understand. It's, rid- that. it's ridiculous. The first, the, when I first noticed it, it was a camp last week. And, you know, it's just, Billy, it, it's one of those things that you got to ask why. Why? What's, what's the end game? It's the I'm same so thing. I'm so glad you brought that up. What's the, what, what are we trying to get from this? And I look, I, I respect Matt Rule. I respect, James Campen and Ben McAdoo, I think they're all very fine coaches. But I, I'm just asking why on this one. And, and I, I don't know if I've been given a satisfactory answer to this point. I don't know if it's their place to provide that. But I, I've seen enough football. Billy, you have too to understand, okay, this is something that's starting to bleed into the middle of August. If we still see it here in preseason game two, it concerns me to a degree because – First of all, Christensen, the time to evaluate him at left tackle was in the second half of last season. Though That's why we were screaming, put him in. Let's see what you got. It's not like you have guys right here with, with Irving and, and Daly, whoever it might be, that are going to be long-term four players. See what you got with the kid. Sit him in there. Let him do it. They, they played him there in the Arizona game for a minute. They played him there in the Washington game. He had some ups and downs in the Giants game. The entire line did. And then the Miami game was a complete mess. But put him in there, the last back leg of the season. Then you get your true evaluation on Christensen against some very good defensive fronts. But now you're starting from scratch. Now you have to figure out, okay, we think we like him at left tackle, despite all the arm talk, you know, arm link talk from last year. It's interesting, Billy. I'll just say that without getting too critical. It's interesting. Yeah, it really is. And I'm with you. I don't know who's in – responsible for this whether it's the offensive line coach the offensive coordinator the head coach whoever it is I, I just think like these are things that like we've seen enough of and, and I just really feel yeah. like I, again I understand that these guys are they know more football than you or I combined times yeah. 20 I totally get that but we also watch the tape and we're not dummies either because other smart people that we know watch the tape and they're also saying the same thing. So that's why I just feel like the consistency will be reached if they go with a solid offensive line across the board. And again, the right side, I have no issues with my issues right now are the two um, spots on the left side. I feel like Iquano, a guy you drafted the first offensive tackle you drafted. Yep in the entire NFL draft. You didn't trade back. You took him. You spoke highly of him. You have to allow him to develop. And I understand. If they, if they weren't that confident, trade back. That's the whole thing. They it right. fell in their lap. We've exactly. been waiting for a we've been waiting for a decade around here for quality left tackle play. And it ain't gonna happen overnight. And it sure as hell ain't gonna happen overnight without the reps. And when I, I, sure. I still I still see Christensen at left tackle, and I don't see Aquanu at left guard with him 
that bothers me. That tells me you're not taking your asset and making the most out of it early on. And I think he's a, he's a guy who's ready to step in. Hell, we talked with Cosell and others about this, Matt Bowen and others. You know, Matt Bowen had Evan Neal, his best player in the draft. It's a variable you know, component there when you evaluate these things. But for what Carolina wants to do, ground and pound, get more back to a Matt Rule identity of football, uh, which I have, still have questions about what the identity is after this first game, I still think it's really important to get this young guy some reps and hopefully it starts now in new England. But like I said, you got Matt Judon sitting right there. You've got some quality defensive minds on that staff, including the goat Bill Belichick in that department. Uh, And they're not going to go easy on anybody on game day. Joint practices are one thing, but we've seen the, the Cam Newton game where he hurt his foot. They were bringing heat from everywhere. So just expect it. And I'm just warning Panthers fans now, you, you might come away from this game a little bit butthurt with how things look on tape. And that's fine, as long as they're putting their best five forward there. Exactly, John. I mean, it's a preseason. I honestly could care less about the final result. Like, as long as, like, you get out of there healthy and you're making smart decisions with respect to your personnel, then that's all you can ask for. I really do not care yeah. about the final score. For as much as, you know, these coaches, they want to win, and I get that, but it does not matter. But – and I'll, I'll just conclude with this. And my, my whole thing is like, um, you know, a couple of years ago when they had that really good offensive line draft, when you had uh, the likes of Tristan Wirfs, Andrew Thomas, uh, Jedrick Wills, yeah. um, Mekhi Becton, um, the first offensive lineman taken was Andrew Thomas, and he was not good his rookie year, but he improved his second year. And I have to imagine that the experience he got from his disappointing rookie year really helped elevate his game the next year. And that's why I feel like the best way for um, especially a first round rookie to, you know, enhance his development is to play. That's just my opinion. Yeah. And I've seen it work out in live time across the league and other areas. So we'll see how that develops. Uh, there's still plenty of time to kind of get, make this right. Got another month before the season actually starts. Uh, but that's just our observation, at least on the offensive side of the ball. Uh, let's quickly go to defense here. Um, I have really no qualms with the defensive operation or the performance. I thought it was totally uh, a replica of what we saw last year. They were very physical at the line of scrimmage. I was surprised to see how physical and well the edges played. It's particularly uh, Barno. Yeah. It looked like he was getting a lot of reps with uh, the yep. ones and twos, and he played uh, quite a few snaps. Amari Barno, but um, he recovered the fumble. He had a pressure that led to an interception. I thought he was uh, impressive. But for me, um, again, I, I really have not much else to say about this defense. It, it, it's a good unit, and I'm certainly concerned about a couple areas uh, on that uh, particular side of the ball. But for me, I mean, they played well up to their standard, and that's all you can ask for. It's all you can ask for. I mean, the first couple of series were, were either punts or field goals for, for their starting offense. Um, and, you know, going back to Barno, you know, he recovers a fumble. That's a plus play. You know, and I think the pressure he put on Heineke was a big part of that interception. Uh, and and you, you got to look for things like that. In the run game, it wasn't bad either. I mean, I thought they set the edge properly. The, the, one of the first snaps I think they had defensively I thought Ioannidis did a great job of taking on two. You know, he's taking on the center and then their left guard, Norwell, another familiar face. And then Frankie LeVou, for more of a stacked position, is able to fill cleanly and make the tackle at the line of scrimmage. I think that's very encouraging. Uh, you know, you saw some things later in the game 
you know, the, the young corner uh, making the interception, Duke Dawson. Uh, but the Nobarno flashed. I, I liked what I saw there. I really did. And I think they did a good job, Billy, managing the personnel workload on the defensive side. Xavier Woods had a nice play on the ball. Yep. That's encouraging. Um, so, yeah, I like the flavor of this defense. I like they came out in a base 4-3. Uh, they weren't too exotic, didn't show too much. Uh, but they obviously got into more of their, their tight personnel at some point in the game and, and mixed things up. And I think uh, Phil Snow is smart to do that. But no, I've like I told you, you know, during the game, after the game, the defense to me did their part. I mean, there's some things you can look at. We're not going to, like I said, spend a lot of time on fourth quarter, you know, analysis here. But for the most part, during that game, defense acquitted themselves just fine. Yeah, totally agree. Before we get to this new section that we're going to debut, stock rising and stock falling, some guys that we felt did better than expected and some that didn't. I want to give at least you an opportunity to kind of voice what you saw at the end of the half situation, because John, this has been happening now for three years since Matt rule has been the head coach. He's on, he's in year three. It, it was an issue his first year when we kind of just chalked it off. It was an issue last year, managing the game, particularly the end of half and timeout situation. It's a concern and I get it. Yes. Preseason, all that stuff. I want to give you a chance to kind of just give your thoughts here because I know you have, you and I were kind of going back and forth on this. Well, I mean, it's just like, it's preseason. I don't know if there's a purpose behind this. If you're trying to practice certain situations without worrying about the score. But I think the idea here is to always try to score. So the situation is this, you're in the second quarter. You have two timeouts on the board. You're at the minus 25 yard line, which by the way, is your own 25 yard line. So you're, you're 75 yards away from a touchdown. You're roughly, you know, what, 40 yards away from, from optimal field goal range, you know, probably a little more than that. But the two timeouts are what stand to mind. The, and, and they get out of a bad situation there. By the way, as a result of what I mentioned earlier, you've got a great pass off between your left tackle, Aquano, and your left guard, Christensen, that gives PJ the backside freedom to throw to the front side on that stop route to Zilstra on the outside. That gets things going. Now, when that gets things going, you need to see some urgency or a plan there. And I think you did some things in that drive. There was a running play mixed in. There, there were a lack of timeouts involved until the very end of the drive. P.J. had a roll to the right. Uh, you know, there's some things P.J. did there that he needs to take ownership to that, that weren't great and optimal. And the guy that the Panthers have touted as sort of a, a two-minute down, two-minute, you know, offense specialist, Billy, last year. That's one of the reasons that they pulled the plug on Newton and put P.J. in is – He's got a good optimal grasp on these, but you're going to go 32 yards, Billy, from the 25, and you use all that minute 26, and you only burn one of your timeouts. To me, that's just a precursor of what to look for, and it's also sort of a reminder of what we've seen before, and I don't want to overreact in a preseason game, but it's just little things like that where in an optimal situation, you're using those timeouts. You're trying to hit the seams a little bit. You're not putting yourself in situations where you're relying on checkdowns. You're certainly not running the ball. And you're putting yourself in a situation where your goal now is to score. You hit the big play there on third down, third and six, 25-yard line. You've got a minute 26 on the clock. You've got to be playing with urgency at that point. And I just didn't see it. Absolutely. And again, I understand it's difficult, especially for you know a backup unit in a two-minute drill situation. 
but it, it just they, they were huddling up with like 50 seconds and i'm just like guys what are you yeah. doing like, i understand zane gonzalez what are we doing? Is a, you know G- gonzalez is a good kicker i get that but like he's also not just tucker so maybe try to play with some urgency get closer maybe even score a touchdown who knows who knows yeah right you could get a blown coverage you got you've got some speed on the field there they're in some personnel packages that would open up the field to a certain degree now I understand rolling the pocket. That's fine. I have no problem with some of the play calls. I just think overall the the, the mindset needs to be up-tempo, urgency. And, and by this time, P.J. being in this offense throughout OTAs, throughout training camp, getting, you know, decent amount of reps. Now, I'll say this. He got a lot more reps in this game than he's been getting, you know, at least percentage-wise, than he has in camp. But he's been in this system, at least the Matt Rule system, for a few years now. Yeah, John. So can you need you, to I... see from a guy from a guy who gets that many reps in the game. You want to see optimal two minute offensive production, especially against backup defense. And, and please carry on there because the other narrative that has just annoyed me has been the quarterback distribution. I, I don't understand what is going on. People are saying it's because they want to feature PJ Walker in trade talks. I'm not buying that. Uh, I just I, I have no idea what, what is going on. <laughs> Who's trading for P.J. Walker? And I'm not trying to disparage him. He's a fine young man. He's got some great traits, and he's made some good plays here at times. But he is about as turnover prone as they come. I mean, we've seen it. He, he, he on average, turns the ball over probably as much, if not more, than Sam Darnold. So I'm not into that idea. Uh, you know, if you're banking on somebody trading for Sam Darnold, you only gave him six reps in this game. So that doesn't make much sense. So the, the, exactly. the abundance of, I mean, if, if, if the idea here is we're going to feature Sam in camp and we're going to split the reps and there's, it looks like they're still doing this heading into new England, which is absurd. But if the idea is to, to split reps between Mayfield who you traded for because Sam could not effectively run an offense in the fourth year and does not have the proper technique, urgency, mindset, footwork, eye marriage to make the throws consistently like like Greg Cosell told us that Aikman told him that time, you can have everything going right. If you can't put the ball where it needs to go, you got nothing. Mayfield is the guy. He's QB1. It's, it's not even that close. So I don't understand what the end game here is. Once again, with personnel, why are we giving P.J. Walker, you know, 31 snaps in a preseason game where you only get three of these? I, I don't get it. I'd be surprised if that continues. But nothing surprises me anymore. Let's see what happens this week. Yeah, and just to close out on that thought, like look at what Washington did. They put they gave Sam Howell the entire fourth quarter, and he started off slow. Yes. He started off slow, yeah. but then you saw him in the fourth quarter. He was dropping dime after dime. And I just think like for Corral, who needs as much reps as possible, yeah, it wasn't pretty for him. I totally get it, but I do not care about the end result here. I just care about a third-round investment that you made getting do, as do we, much development yeah. as possible. Do we truly think PJ is going to be here on September 11th? I don't think so. I mean, I'd be shocked. Now, let's say they redshirt and practice squad corral, but still you're keeping three quarterbacks at that point. I think that the formula is, is clear. They're not going to be able to unload Darnold. I'd be stunned. I'll eat my words if they do. Freezing cold takes, whatever. If they unload Darnold in a trade, good for them. Good for them for being savvy enough to do it this way. But I don't think there's a coach alive out there or a GM alive out there that's looking at Carolina's tape right now and saying, well, that Washington game, boy, those 31 reps from P.J. Walker, I'm going to tell you something, 
That's something we need to go get for a conditional pick. Uh, I just – at some point, you got to stop playing the, the shell game, the shuffle game of, okay, you know what? We're trying to do this for a reason other than winning right now. If you're constructing your roster in a method to suggest we have a window right now to go win, which is why you went and got Mayfield, by the way, which is why you signed the, the, you know, the, the very good right guard from the, the world champion Rams, who despite having a substandard tape against Washington, has played a ton of snaps the past two years. You go out and you sign Bozeman, one of the better centers in the league from one of the better you know, multiple look, multiple type of schematic offenses in the league when you're talking about power, zone, from, from the offensive line perspective in Bradley Bozeman. And, and like you said about Elfline, no problems there. If you want to start him at center, Bozeman's played at guard. Maybe try that. But to put Michael Jordan out there at left guard, there's some, there's some things there that are just a little bit off for me. And, you know, I'll yield to the coaches and the staff and let them work through these next two games. But before we know it, it's September, and you can't do that anymore. You can't shuffle. You can't get into a mindset of, okay, you know what? PJ's our, our, our two-minute specialist, or, or Jordan can be our left guard going in. But if, if, if he has trouble, then we go back to the best five. It's just right. silly to me. Um, but we, we move forward, and, and we trust the process, as they say. For sure. Uh, we're going to debut a new segment here. Uh, it's going stock rising and stock falling. Uh, kind of just give you guys an idea of like who we felt performed pretty well and have has their stock risen in our eyes. Uh, we'll go two each. I'll start off with the stock rising. To me, number one has been Derek Wright, the what undrafted free agent from uh, Utah State. He's a rookie. Uh, he, he flashed quite a bit in the slot. He was uh, making himself available to PJ Walker. He's running Chris Sprouts. He was you know very efficient in and out of his breaks, um, which led him to gain some yards after the catch. And I've been seeing some clips of him as well. And he's been uh, you know practicing with the second team. Uh, so I, I really think like he has an opportunity to make this roster, uh, depending on how he does on special teams. Uh, I, I kind of want to get your perspective on you know how he did, and maybe you can give. Uh, a stock rising yourself. No, I thought he was good. You know, this is a guy that you look at uh, with an offensive structure that, that is going to rely on at times four or five different receivers injuries. I like this game a lot. I like the ability to come in and, and make your mark in terms of a preseason game, nothing but positives there. And he's had some good reps at camp too. So I'm certainly not opposed to seeing that as a stock riser guy right now. Yeah, as far as risers go, Shy Smith, to me, ha- has looked really good throughout camp in the slot. He's had to backfill for C.J. Saunders, picking up some of those reps. And I thought in this game, early on, seeing him with the starting five um, in terms of the offensive line and, and some of those starters getting a little bit bullied in to Baker's lap, Baker relying on Shy for a couple of third-down conversions was nice to see him attack the middle of the field, to see him attack the crossers there and get some good production run after catch. And my other riser would be Amari Bardo, uh, a guy that, you know, I know, again, we're talking about preseason, but to make two splash plays, uh, one of which you jump in on a fumble, those are always big. And then number two, getting some pressure that impacts a throw that leads to an interception. Uh, Billy, those are two guys I think to keep an eye on moving forward. Yeah, for sure. And I just want to give a quick shout out to the special teams. Uh, first time we saw them under new coordinator, Chris Tabor, and I thought they looked really yeah. solid. Hecker, uh, again, 
another world champion. Uh, it looked really good punting the ball. I thought their coverages yep. were much better this time, especially on the kickoff. And yeah, it was good to see Zane Gonzalez knock down those field goals. He's you know really showed last year that he is a reliable kicker. Uh, so that was uh, that was good to see. Um, and I, w- I want to transition out to some guys whose stock falling and maybe even some narratives that we kind of saw. Okay, uh, for me, the stock falling at this point has to be the offensive operations, and we've spent a good amount of time already on this. To me, the quarterback distribution has to improve. We have to get Matt Corral much more snaps. Okay. Yeah. The offensive line distribution has to improve. I mean, it's it's fine. I understand that they have their own preferences, but for what they've invested in, it should be Iquanu left tackle, Christensen left guard, whoever at center, and then the two guys on the right. And then finally, yeah. I think that we've mentioned it already so many times the past couple of weeks. We mentioned it today. Let's just end everything, give Baker the full-time reign as a starter, and just let's just move forward. And that's just kind of where I stand right now. I think I'm not sure who's responsible for it. Like I said, whether it's McAdoo, uh, Matt Rule, or James Campman, or whoever, front office, I don't even know. But I really feel like the offensive operations have to improve. I trust everything that is going on with the defense. Um, Again, they looked really good. And even just them rotating guys in and out, you saw guys like Brandon Smith have a positive impact. Kalen Barnes, the mm-hmm. he had some good moments yep. too. Um, I just think like you have a couple more weeks to really figure this out. Let's try to improve in this area. Uh, you stole my thunder. Look, I'll, I'll go operational, offensive, tactical, uh, all the stuff that you lean on for what we've talked about. You're adding pro coaches guys who have been around this for a long time this is still matt rules team it very much is so i don't know how much of this i can put on the front office other than to say they they are influential but when it comes to game time when it comes to practice time you know it's really about matt rule conferring with mcadoo i would assume james campen is a part of that discussion and those are the two areas that concern me the most that you need to start solidifying your two most important positions positional groups in terms of continuity on offense. And that is obviously offensive line and quarterback. And they've got, the thing is, this is not like last year, Billy, where they had question marks everywhere. The one positive, many positives I pointed out at camp, the one big one that stood out, I even mentioned this to Fitter when he came by and talked to us the other day was how buttoned down things look. You don't look at a particular camp practice and say, oh crap, that might be a problem in October unless they get in their own way. And I think, you know, having Jordan at left guard at the first team, not having Bozeman featured all of a sudden out of the blue um, as your center and it's Elfline's turn, I, I don't get it now. Maybe it's like Matt said last year, you just can't see it yet. Maybe I, I'm, I'm coming in with a clean slate this year. But damn it, quarterback, this has got to stop. You've got to start giving Mayfield more reps and you've got to start giving Matt Corral more reps. I, I know he went one of nine. But you can't judge him off that. You can't. He's got to have more playing time. And honestly, he's got to have more reps in camp and practice. He really does. He's sitting there with the third and fourth teams, barely getting any looks. You've got to start featuring him and making some determinations within the next year. Is this, you know, second-day pick going to be a part of our plans moving forward? Because the game moves fast, Billy. The NFL waits on nobody. So I would just encourage this entire unit, not that they're going to take my advice, but I would encourage them to start making some decisions and sticking with them. If it's going to be Jordan, 
fine, stick with it. If it's going to be at left guard, uh, Christensen, better, stick with it. If it's going to be a quantum at left tackle, I love it, stick with it. If it's not going to be any of that, figure it out and stick with it because you did say it's early, but it won't be early next week. You'll be two-thirds through the way your preseason opportunities, and these are valuable reps for a team that needs to learn how to bond together right now. Absolutely. And again, it's it's valuable reps, but this is a grind. There's a lot of attrition that goes on in the NFL, and you want to have some sort of chemistry between your starting five. Last year, Matt Rule joked that his offensive line was a work in progress compared to the I-85, construction I-85. This year, you have more talent at your disposal. Let's just figure it out and let's move forward. I understand that there's a spirit of competition in play. I totally get that. But when you draft a guy number six overall, I think that his draft positioning and just especially what he showed on film, again, this was my first exposure. I haven't been to camp. I mean, he looked good. So I I think that you need to really just give your top 10 rookie – the opportunity to play. And Billy, my last thought before we close out is you can't get a true sense of how good or bad alignment looks until preseason games. You really can. Camp moves so slow these days. And I have the up-tempo stuff. You see it. People ask me, how does quantity look? How, how does uh, Christensen look? You really can't get a sense of that when you're not going full steam. Preseason games give you that flavor, give you that opportunity to diagnose how a guy looks coming out. And I, I just can't help but think there's a better way to do this. But with the Patriots coming up, we'll see if they they yield to our advice or if they stick to their plan. Yeah, that's correct. And uh, just to kind of fill everyone in, the Panthers are traveling tonight, I believe, uh, to Foxborough. Well, they will have joint practice with the Patriots. So, unfortunately, John won't be able to do training camp recaps because uh, they're ah. practicing. They're practicing up yeah. in the Northeast, but uh, we'll get yeah. a good look at you know a lot, a lot of media. We're going to get the Patriots media and the Panthers media posting clips and reports from practice, so be sure to follow that. And as always, we will do a recap after the preseason game between the Panthers and the Patriots. Uh, again, we'll be back and do another recap after the preseason game against the Patriots, but uh, thank you again for everyone for following and listening, and uh, we'll catch you next time. Mother's Day is almost here. And you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around. A watch she can wear every day from Movement. Whether your mom is into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, Movement has something she'll love. And right now, everything at Movement is up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale. A watch is a gift that celebrates all the time you spent with mom. And a Movement watch is even more than that. Movement uses industry-leading materials for their fresh modern watch designs, from technically complex ceramics to vintage-inspired style, all for an incredible value your wrist and wallet will both love. And with one-size-fits-all convenience and fast-free shipping and returns, it's a stress-free shopping experience. Save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with Movement. Get up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com.